friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm really excited that you're here with us today. Every week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. I want to thank one of today's sponsor, and that is Hooray Mail. Hooray Mail is a subscription snail mail delivered twice per month for kids ages two to six. This is something for your kids. In each brightly colored envelope, find you will find a personalized card and a fun, simple activity page. It was developed by a mom who, as a child, loved getting snail mail, which I, as an adult, do. The joy of it, the fun, the hooray moment when you see that letter in the mailbox to you. Who doesn't love that? She wanted to provide her two little girls the same fun experience in our digital world, so she looked to see if there was a subscription-based service that would automatically send them fun mail. She couldn't find what she was looking for, so she did what I love all brave, strong women did. She just decided to do something about it. So new moms, aunts, friends, grandmas, they buy her ray mail because they want nothing more than for their kids or the kids that they know to light up and smile at the end of the day and relish in the simple joy of checking the mail. It's a great birthday gift or something to get just because you want an excuse to connect with your kiddos even more. Use coupon code HAPPYMAIL to get 50% off your first month of Hooray Mail. Guys, you're listening to episode number 86, and today's guest is Molly Huggins. I met Molly on an airplane, which is crazy because I don't like to meet people on an airplane. But I sat down with her, and she started sharing her story with me, and I just knew I wanted you guys to hear it as well. She's a 14-year veteran of the Army National Guard, an ex-helicopter pilot, and she's now a stay-at-home mom to four babies. She's lived this Army life in some form or fashion since the age of 18, and we're going to talk about it on the show today. Um, Today, we chat about Army life, which for her, it included leaving her one-year-old daughter with her sister for a year-long deployment. She shares some very intimate grief and struggles with us, as well as all that God has shown on her journey along the way. You're really going to enjoy this conversation with Molly. Before we get to my conversation with Molly, I wanted to let you know about a great way to help support the happy hour. My store is up and ready. Uh, I'm super excited about the three things that we have over there. Number one is a koozie that has the happy hour on it. And I'm a big fan of koozies. Everybody needs a koozie, especially in the summer. Number two is some journals from May Designs. I'm a big fan of May Designs and they got some journals made with the Happy Hour logo on it. And the third thing that's up there is the live recording from the Happy Hour. It's only a dollar. Super fun show. You can get everything over at jamieivy.com slash store. And how about I just give you a little coupon code? How does that sound? How about for today, since this show is under Molly, how about I give you the coupon code Molly and you can get free shipping. Okay, guys, thanks for being here. Here is my conversation with Molly Huggins. Hey, Molly, welcome to the happy hour. Hi, I'm glad to be here. I'm so glad. And I just want um, to tell everyone how we met because it's random. I mean, it's funny. It's funny. So was this October? I can't remember when that was. Alum. Yeah, Alum, Alum was in October. Mm-hmm. So I was flying to Alum. I did a podcast. I did a breakout on podcasting. And so super fun. Love people that put on Alum. Great conference. And so I just sit down on the airplane and um, I sit next to you. And so mm-hmm. we start chatting and then you tell me that you're going to Alum. And I'm like, oh, me too. So we met on the airplane on the way to Alum, which was so yeah. fun. Except when I tell people that, I also mention the fact that I hadn't talked to grown-ups in like a week. And so I just verbally sort of threw up all over you on the airplane. I think it's hilarious because <laughs> I'm the kind of person that when I sit down on an airplane, I'm like, I just want to read my book. I just want to sit in silence. And you literally, but I loved it. I loved every minute of talking to you, obviously, because I invited you to come on my show. 
Um, but you did, you're like, I haven't talked to anybody in a long time. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I totally remember this all the time because when Aaron would travel and your, is your husband traveling now? He, he's actually coming home from a business trip slash getaway okay. today, yeah. Yeah, but he's but, not traveling for long periods of time anymore. Yeah. But you get that. Like Aaron used to travel, mm-hmm. you know, three days out of the week and he'd come home and I would just nonstop talk to him. And he'd say, mm-hmm. have you talked to anyone today? And I'm like, no, just children. That's it. So you need to just listen. <laughs> I don't care if this bothers you. So we met on the way to Illum and um, you started sharing just parts of your story with me. And I was completely intrigued. Um, I have never met a woman that's been through what you've been through. And so that was completely like, I need to hear more about this. And so I want to talk to you about what we talked about on the plane, which is so much fun. All right. But hard, right? Yeah. Okay. It's been, it's been a roller coaster for sure. Okay. Good, so but hard. Good, good, good. Okay. So you've been married for, what'd you say, 11 years? 11 years on April 30th at the end of this month. Oh, mm-hmm. well, happy early anniversary. Thank you. Or depending on when this comes out, happy late anniversary. Uh, I, ne- I never know when these things are going to come out. So there's that. Um. So you've been married for 11 years and you'll have four mm-hmm. kids. Yes, ma'am. Four. How old are they? They are, my oldest is eight and a half. And my youngest is seven and a half months. Okay. So we got quite of a, quite a spread. You do. And so is your oldest in mm-hmm. school? She is. She's in third grade. Okay. Um, and we homeschooled. We homeschooled for kindergarten. And I cried the whole year. And she cried the whole year. And then she went to public school. So, so why did y'all both right cry now. the whole year? Uh, we are emotional twins. Uh-huh. And uh, that does not work out so well for us sometimes. So we just, we, we butted heads a lot. I was pregnant. And, um, we just, we were so, we were both very extroverted mm-hmm. and we needed other people more mm-hmm. than we needed each, each other. other. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. I mean, she needed, she some needed friends and I needed friends. Yeah. And we were not meeting each other's social needs the way it needed to happen. So we just decided for the sanity of all involved that she would go to public school. So she's in school right now. That's awesome. I think that mothers that homeschool um, are just amazing. Um, I think that moms that do anything that's different than me, I just literally think they're like angels. But I think that's how we all are with whatever another person does different than us. But I'm like you. I don't think that I could have the stamina to homeschool my kids. I, I, I mean, I first, their education would be very lacking. <laughs> um, and... They think that they, if they homeschool, they would just stay home and play video games all day. Because my son has said that before. Why don't you just homeschool me? And I'm like, do, what do you think that looks like? Because I think you're misunderstanding what that might be. Oh. Yeah, that was surprising to me. I, I, I told my husband, I thought, well, I'm a teacher. I wasn't ready for this. I don't know what I thought it was going to be like, but I wasn't ready for it. I love the idea of it. I just didn't execute it very well. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you got married 11 years ago and you met mm-hmm. your husband. Um, in flight training, because you mm-hmm. guys have both been um, in the Air Force. Am I right? No, actually, we are Army. Army. Army helicopter pilots. Helicopter yeah, pilots. Okay, Fort yeah. Rucker, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to hear about what made you, growing up, you said you always wanted to fly. Tell me about where that started for you. I, You're going to laugh. I saw the movie Top Gun. Oh, and yes. I was instantly hooked instantly and I wasn't even supposed to see it I was I little. was gonna ask how old you were because that was kind of this like naughty movie that we weren't allowed right. to see we were it's funny we were at my 
family reunion from I was my great grandmother's 90th birthday and my cousins my older cousins and my older sister were purposely like they were really excited that they could keep me from watching it and so but I was sneaking in and I don't think like I've talked to my mom about this later and I don't think she knew we were watching it um because she would not have allowed us to watch it at all that is hilarious so um so I saw that movie and and so I told my mom when I was around 10 that I was either going to be a pilot or be in like an Olympic Olympian. I, but I was terrible at sports. I was enthusiastic, but terrible. Where did the Olympian and come from? Did you see something or you just I thought just, that'd be cool? My grandmother, we, well, we took gymnastics when I was a kid and my grandmother would tape all the Olympic gymnastics routines on and then mail them to us. Okay. That's hilarious. First so of we, all. We had, I, I can tell you all by name, all the Olympians through like 19. 80 through like 92. That is so Still. funny. And it's, oh, yeah. it's funny now people are listening are going to think because I have some young women that listen to this show. You know, I'm 37. They're in their early uh-huh. 20s. The fact that your grandmother recorded them on a tape and then mailed them oh, to yeah. you is just the mm-hmm. funniest thing because now it's all at our fingertips. We could look up any gymnastics routine online and find it. And that just is so hilarious. Well, I have I have YouTube a few of the ones that we had on tape and they're on YouTube now. That's great. Funny. Yeah. Okay, so, so I love the movie Top Gun as well, but it didn't do for me what it did for you. Well, you com- <laughs> combine that with, so my father is a veteran. He was in the Air Force, and he has an incredible singing voice. And when we were children, he would be asked to sing at ceremonies. So a high school friend of his was the director of the National League of Families in Washington, D.C., which is for the families of missing Vietnam uh, veterans mm-hmm. missing missing and prisoner of war mm-hmm. and so her brother went missing in Vietnam still is and so she became the head of the League of Families and because of her relationship with my dad she would ask him to sing and so we grew up around Vietnam veterans mm-hmm. and every flavor the sort of the disenfranchised mm-hmm. the guys in wheelchairs all the way up to we met Senator Cleland from Georgia he's a he was I think missing three limbs maybe from the war. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I think I met General Westmoreland one time doing a parade. So I just, I mean, this sounds really cheesy, but I just sort of fell in love with these men, mm-hmm. just their, their stories and their, who they were and what they did. And, and the fact that they had not really received any recognition for what they did. And so we, my whole family, we cry at the national anthem, we're flag nerds, the whole nine yards. I mean, we grew up just loving the people that served our country. Mm. And um, so my brother, my I have a, a brother who's a little bit older than me, and he went to a military college. So we watched them do their parades on the fields and everything. And so I just, when I came time to go to college and I didn't have any money and my parents didn't have any money, I was like, well, I got to pay for this somehow. And we had a dear friend who helped me get into the National Guard. And so from there, I was enlisted and I was a helicopter mechanic. And as soon as I got my hands on a helicopter, there was just no question in my mind that I was going to go to flight school. So it took me six years, almost six years. I had to get through college and then I had to get through officer candidate school and then I had to get down to Fort Rucker. So, so- it took for someone it's a who, long game. That is a long game. For someone who yeah. is totally um, naive and maybe ignorant in how um, military life works, I'm speaking to myself, um, <laughs> in case anyone else is listening and feeling the same thing. You're not thing. the only one. Right. Okay. So educate us just a bit. So when you say, you know, I needed to go to college, but I didn't have any money, and so I joined the Army, I'm very naive in what that looks like. So you go 
to the arm. I, can you explain that for me real quick? Sure. Okay, so so there's several different routes that you can take. You can do active duty Army, which is you sign on the dotted line, you go off to basic training, you serve on an Army base. That's your life. That's, That's what I think of. Job. Yes. So my husband is active duty. Now, he went to college on an ROTC scholarship uh-huh. and got a full ride. And so after college, he was committed for a certain amount of time. Now, obviously, he stayed past that commitment because he's been in for like 16 years, and they don't require that much. What do but they require? Four. Oh, four okay. years. Uh-huh. And he was going to do four and get out. And then he got into flight school. So he went to flight school a little bit later than your average soldier. Mm. Um, so another option is the Reserve or National Guard. So the National Guard is connected to your state. So there's I went through the Tennessee National Guard because so I went to school in Chattanooga. And the state owns you. And when you're not deployed or doing something on a national scale, like a deployment, mm-hmm. you belong to the state. So a lot of times they'll do like in Alaska, I was in the Alaska guard after Tennessee because we lived in Alaska for a while. And I, we did a mission where we flew doctors out to villages. Okay. Um, we did a mission where we were moving. A village was getting like starting to become underwater mm-hmm. and we were flying the Marines out there because the Marines were moving the village to a new location, like gotcha. literally just rebuilding it from the ground up. So they do a lot of state and local missions. Mm-hmm. They helped with Katrina. They do a lot of like hurricane weather relief kind of stuff. And, but they're still part of the army. Like I went to an active duty basic training with active duty soldiers. I went to active duty flight school. Um, so it is connected, but it's just, it's a different money pot. It's a different commitment level. Gotcha. And so my requirement was one week in a month. Mm-hmm. After I got done with all my training, it was one week in a month and two weeks in the summer. Now, as a pilot, it's a lot more than that, but, but because we have the same amount of, you have to, you have to fly so many hours to stay current and we have the same amount of hours as an active duty soldier, but we only work two days a month. Right. So really you work more than two days a month, but. So going into the national guard that got your college paid for some of it. I went to a private school. Oh man, I was hustling. I went to a private school. I had, um, some academic scholarships. I had some work study programs. The guard at the time had a loan repayment program. So Uh they paid back 10 grand in loans. I had the GI bill, which is a crazy amount of money now, but this was pre nine 11. So it wasn't very much, but Mm -hmm. it was enough. It was enough to where I didn't have to get a job. I could play soccer. I played soccer in college. Um, it, and I could live during the month and like, so, and then my like two week, two days a month, I got a couple hundred dollars and I could live like during the month in college. Gotcha. Uh, okay. So, I mean, it just, it, it wasn't like a full ride, but mm-hmm. it kind of got me over the hump. I mean, yeah. I cried in the financial aid lady's office a couple of times. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. That never hurts. But it, it, yeah, they were awesome. But it, it, it allowed me to finish and only have like a, a little tiny bit of loans when I got done. So you go so, to college, um, mm-hmm. you're in the National Guard. And then what is mm-hmm. your next step after that? So I had to do officer candidate school because you got to be an officer to be a pilot. And there's, there's two different kinds, but I chose the commissioned kind, which is, it's just one of the kinds mm-hmm. for brevity's sake. Um, and so I went through the guards officer candidate school, mm-hmm. which was spread out over a year and a half because again, you're one week into month, two weeks in, in gotcha. the summer. Mm-hmm. I think active duty is like 14 weeks or something. So, so I did it. So it took me another year and a half after I graduated to do that. And then, so I graduated OCS in 2003 and then I had to wait for, 
a slot to be available in flight school because the state is given so many slots gotcha. in the school. And so April 4th, 2003, 2004, sorry, 2004 is when I went to flight school and when I met my husband. And you met your husband there. You were determined mm-hmm. to get into flight school. I mean, that just hearing I you was. say all the steps and then I had to wait this time and I had to wait that time. I mean, that's very just, it shows I a mean, lot about your character of like, I'm going, I'm determined to be a pilot. I was playing the long game for sure. You were in it to win it. And you said, <laughs> I remember you told me that you were not going to meet your husband. Oh, and you did. Uh, yeah. So I went down there determined that I was not going to meet a man. I was not going to be that girl because there is a name. I mean, there's. Lots of people who go down and marry their husband, me being a prime okay. example of uh-huh. that now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so when I met him, we were just friends. And I actually think I made a fool out of myself. Speaking of which, I, I did the verbally vomit thing and uh-huh. I was really nervous and couldn't stop talking. And um, so we became friends. And it's funny, if you hear him tell the story, he will just go on and on about how I couldn't take my eyes off of him. And yeah. I just was all over it. You know, it's really, we have this little comedy routine basically now when we tell it, but we were friends first and I knew that he was starting to like me. And I purposely would say I was terrible. We, so we had a best friend part of our story, our best friend down there. Her name was Jamie, like you. Uh huh. And she and I and Pete became really good friends and her husband was in Alaska. So it was just the three of us. Um, all together all the time and he started talking to her about liking me and I started talking to her about how I was freaked out that he was liking me mm-hmm. and then I would I would say things in the car like man I would never go out with anybody in our class really loud so oh, he would hear so me he would hear you. so he wouldn't say anything you were playing so hard to get <laughs> I was I was terrible oh my so gosh he, a couple of months in he finally like both Jamie and her husband Sam were like you know put your big boy pants on and just tell her that you like her just go for it so he did and I said thank you and totally shot him down like oh he my was gosh like, I can't believe I did that and then changed my mind like a week later I talked to her pastor I was like I don't know you know just trying to figure out what to do for a lot of different reasons but I I um I changed my mind and then I was like how do I get him to, to ask me again because this and crazy girl mind I wanted him to ask me again I, I couldn't just say that's what we hey, do I as women yep. mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Poor guy. Yep, exactly I, I think about it I can't believe he ever stuck around mm-hmm. um so At least he knew he what did. he was getting I mean you know I know there was no and flight school's really intense so we hadn't been friends for very long and we didn't date for very long before he proposed but but it's like we packed in like two and a half years of getting to know each other in like a, a year I mean yeah. it was so he knew I mean he knew the good the bad and the ugly right out of the gate and so he, we went camping and it was me and Pete and Jamie and Jamie went to bed at like 7 PM. I mean, it was just ridiculously early on purpose. Uh-huh. And we started talking and then he kissed me and that was it. That and was then it. like, yep. Like two months later, I, I knew I was going to marry him. And that was July and November. He bought the ring, December he proposed and we were married in April. That's so. awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my question that I'm thinking is both of you are okay. in flight school. Both of you are going to be pilots in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, was the reality, I mean, for, for someone who has zero military um, connections, no one in my family has been in the military. I don't have any friends that are in the military. So literally, mm-hmm. I'm that person that has, I would think, not very much connection to military mm-hmm. life. Um, and it's been a part of your life since you've grown up and then you meet this, you meet your husband. Um, was there this looming understanding that you could both be deployed at the same time? 
You know, no, not really. So and, and deployment was a reality. Am I right? It was a reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband, when he when he left, when he drove away from Fort Hood to come to flight school, he was putting his guys, his platoon. He was a platoon leader and then a company um, executive officer. So quickly, a platoon maybe like. 30, 40 guys mm-hmm. and the companies maybe, but anywhere from like 80 to 150. Okay. So he was the leader, the platoon leader of 30 or 40 guys. So the platoons are inside the company. Mm-hmm. And then the company, he was the second in command. Okay. And so they were leaving to go to Iraq when he drove away from Fort Hood to go to flight school. And he is, I think he's always felt, he, it's funny, I'm not supposed to be talking about him. He told me he can't talk <laughs> about me. I'm like, dude, this is about us. You, I have to. You're a part of this. Right. Sorry. This is your story too. So he, I think he's always uh, felt a little bit guilty about leaving them. Uh, those, they went to Fallujah. They were in Fallujah. Did he have in the, the real option ugly. to go with them? I mean, no, not when he chose to go to flight school. Okay, that's, it, that yeah. was a process that had been going on for a long time. Right, so I don't so. think he knew it was going to time itself out like that. So, you know, he, he was doing what he wanted to do and what was the right thing to do, but it was still really hard to walk away mm-hmm. from these people that he really cared about, yeah. soldiers that he, he had led and cared mm-hmm. for and, and they went into some of the ugliest, hardest fighting at the time. Um, I met a couple of them afterwards. They're neat, neat guys. Um, medical platoon. And, and I always say, like, I don't I don't throw the word hero around lightly, but medics I have, a, have a special place in my heart. Mm. So he was a medical platoon leader. So mm. anyway, so, yeah, it was looming. But I think maybe there was a part of me that thought it's going to be over eventually. Mm. And at that stage, and I'm, I'm 37 too, but I was 24 when I went to flight school. Mm-hmm. And there was this feeling of. Can I just ask when 9-11 came in that? I was in college. I was okay. in college. Yeah, I was That too. was my yeah. yep. well, beginning I got married, of my senior year. I got married in 2001. Yeah. And that's when. That was the beginning of my senior year. Okay. And and I had friends at this at this point. I had had friends that had already been. Mm-hmm to war mm-hmm. um and so but i mean we went into flight school and after when i was so i actually flew uh the kiowa warrior which is um, a reconnaissance helicopter this in the beginning and it had rockets and guns on it so i had a lot of conversations and my ip my instructor pilot was incredible and we had a lot of conversations about i mean he was very graphic like teaching us how to shoot our rifle out mm-hmm. the side of the helicopter mm-hmm. because we were going to be that low to the ground to where we would have to defend ourselves with mm-hmm. like this little puny little gun and how it would aim with the weapon. And it's funny if you ask my mom, my parents came up and watched us fly one day mm-hmm. and they, they went out to the, the gunnery site and she was watching me and I was shooting rockets and she just started bawling because she, she kind of hit her that that's something that I could potentially do. Mm. And I will say in hindsight, the Lord really protected me because I don't know how I would have emotionally handled killing people. Mm. I, I never went to combat. And, and I have to give you a disclaimer now for all the people out there. There are, I don't, I don't take very public political stances, mm-hmm. but I will say, because I have people all across the spectrum that I love dearly, but I will say that, there are women out there, regardless of what you think about women in combat, there mm-hmm. are women out there that do the job superbly mm-hmm. in, in every arena that I've seen them do it in. Um, but I don't know that I would have 
been emotionally okay if I had had yeah. to take someone else's life. And I know that now. I didn't know that then. So can and I, I ask this? Sure. So when you joined the military, is that not a thought that you think about? I, I did not think it all the way through. I, I just thought it, it's such a removed thing. And when I joined in 1998, mm-hmm. I mean, hello, yeah. there was nothing going right. on in 1998. Right. And you just think, you kind of thought in that time period, we've evolved so much that you don't think that America is mm. going to get involved in right. this global war. I mean, just, mm. I don't think anybody saw it, especially not an 18 year old kid from Georgia. I didn't yeah. see it coming, yeah. you know, and, and I wa- I think about it now and I just, and I had a moment in basic training where we were practicing the bayonet and I was like, Oh man, my job is to kill people. Mm. I don't know how I feel about that. Mm. But I mean, at that point it was too late to, to back so off. Did you ever have to like, um, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time here because I want to hear so much more of your story. Right. But did you ever have to like kind of – I hear this conflict of you saying, and I feel like you're coming at it from like emotionally – are you coming at it as a woman or just your your emotions? My emotions. Okay, so I, your I just, emotions. My personality. Your personality. My personality, yeah. I mean I think I think some of that is factored in by the fact that I am a woman. Yeah. But, but combine that with my personality, and it's, I think I would have just had a hard time with that. Um, did you did your faith so. ever come in? Tell me how how you kind of because I I love hearing this conversation. Did your faith ever come into play in that, or how did you how did did you ever have to wrestle through that? Um, I I have always had a very strong sense of right and wrong mm-hmm. and black and white, mm-hmm. and I believed in and for all of its flaws, still do that America and in this country, and again, I don't want to, you could talk about this for hours, has, has made good choice. I mean, I feel like up, up into the point that I had joined, like there, it was pretty clear. We took care of our soldiers. You know, you never leave a man behind. We went into World War II and I didn't understand all the nuances of history at that point when I was 18, but I just felt like there was a lot for us as a nation to be proud of, mm-hmm. and and I wanted to be a part of that. Um, I just did, and I'm still am proud that I was. Yeah, I I feel like as an adult, more of an adult, I and and a student of history and current events, I have a little more of a nuanced picture of what we've done. But mm-hmm. I'm still thankful for the opportunity. I will tell you now that I am thankful that I did not have to take a life, yeah. any life. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that my husband, so my husband flies medevac, medical mm-hmm. evacuation. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that he has always been on the life-saving end of it. Mm-hmm. I just think the Lord protected us. I, I've never felt, and I always tell people, because I've run into people that don't think women should be in the military mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. but I've never felt like I've been disobedient to the Lord. Mm. And I've, asked all along the way mm-hmm. and this maybe this is later on but I did get out mm-hmm. in 2011 because I had always asked the Lord to be really clear when it yeah. was time mm-hmm. and I and after I deployed and left my daughter I was like nope that's it I'm done yeah. that that okay let's I, talk I, about I, that yeah okay sorry let's talk about that because jumping ahead of myself it's okay no because I remember hearing you talk to me about this on the airplane and I just thought mm-hmm. to myself first I thought I didn't know that this could happen like I didn't know that that that's part of the deal. I didn't know yeah. that you didn't have a choice. I didn't, I mean, I was just, I remember being just flabbergasted at the thought that this is what you just had to do. So talk to me mm-hmm. about that. You and your husband, um, j- just walk me through that real quick to let everyone know okay. that that was one of the most, probably you would say traumatic events of your life. Would you say that? Yes. Okay. Well, yes. Okay. So let me just give you, let me, I'll give you the cliff notes lead up and then I'll tell you what happened. So 
we got married on April 30th of 2005. Mm-hmm. And he, I left like three weeks later to finish my training at Fort Rucker. So we were apart for a couple of months. We were together for six weeks. He left for Iraq for his forced deployment. So we had lived together for like nine weeks at that point. Oh. And um, three months, and I was pregnant when he left. Three months into that, I had a miscarriage. While he's gone. Pretty bad. While he's gone. It was bad. I had to have surgery. It was, it was pretty bad. Mm. So he, he got to come home, actually, for five days, kind of check in with me, take care of me, went back. And then that was November. That was right. It was, he, that was a Monday before Thanksgiving, January 7th. So the girl, my friend Jamie that I told you about, mm-hmm. she was killed in a helicopter crash in Iraq mm. in January while he was gone. And I kind of went off the deep end a little bit. And mm-hmm. by kind of, I mean, I totally did. Yeah. So I just, and, and really all the things that have happened in our life from that point forward are really tied into that, that sort of three or four month period. Um, I carry a lot of, obviously a lot of emotional weight from that. A lot of, I struggle with fear from that. Mm-hmm. So, so that all of that happened. Um, I got back into a helicopter. I think it was like February or March. And so, thankfully, I, I was not affected. Can, like I, I, could can still I ask fly. a couple questions real sure. quick? Are you sure. done with your flight training school when all this is happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm back and I'm serving. I'm going my once a month. I'm flying. I'm doing my thing. Okay. Loving okay. it. Mm-hmm. Having a ball. And then your best so, friend dies in a helicopter She dies. I had to go back to work like the next month. And thankfully, I've always been able to get in a helicopter and set everything aside. I just compartmentalized like a mm-hmm, chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was able to keep flying, but I was just terrified. I sort of transferred all that onto losing. I was afraid that I was afraid that something random was going to happen to me. Like I was afraid somebody was going to break in and kill me. I just thought if, if my friend, James, she was the golden girl. And I thought if she could die, mm. then I could die. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then I just was afraid of everything, but not flying. That's the weird thing. I was not afraid of flying. That's what I was going to ask. Cause you would feel like it would translate into getting into you a helicopter. So. It didn't, I could just, I would get in. And, and if you ask my husband and I, I'm sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but if you ask Pete and I, somebody did this one time, they asked, it was just like a small group or something. And they said, where is the place that you most feel at home that you've ever felt the most at home? And this is so cheesy, but independently of each other, we both said, aside from when we're with each other, it's in the front seat of a helicopter, hmm. hands down. Mm-hmm. Flying is just where my soul was meant to be, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. in the sky. Uh, it's just so cheeseball, mm-hmm. but it's true. And so in one sense, to be able to get in the helicopter and like leave the earth, for lack of better phrasing, um, was just the place where I was okay yeah, and everything else went away and I wasn't afraid. I wasn't worried about Pete. I wasn't sad about our baby. I was just flying and mm-hmm. it felt so it's such a physical sensation in a helicopter, especially mm-hmm. the small one that I was flying. And so just being really tuned into that was just very, I loved it. I still, I miss it every day. So Sorry. Jamie died 10 years ago. She died 10 years ago. So that was 2006. So, so he came home. And we got pregnant like a month later. Did he come home to you off the deep end? No, he's actually, he is the most. So if I'm the emotional, like roller coaster, crazy lady, he, we call him Switzerland. He is so even keeled and neutral and calm and just like. But when he okay, showed back up, were you crazy off the deep home. end? Uh, no, I, I had, I kind of hit a point and I, I, wrote, I told, I told the story on the blog, but on my blog, but I, I kind of hit a point where 
I just was like, I'm, I'm losing it. And I called my pastor and I was like, I just need to check in and make sure I'm not going crazy. So mm-hmm. I, I would talk to my pastor throughout the year, but I had a moment in March where I, w- I was in Knoxville. I had driven to drill and I was really tired. It was like the middle of the night and I was just, I felt like something was wrong. I just, I just kind of had a moment, called my come to Jesus moment, called my mom in the middle of the night. She was awake. It was 2 a.m. She was mm-hmm. awake. I was like, what are you doing? And, and I just, was crying and I realized for the first time in my life I said okay because when Pete left I'm like all right God if he dies it's okay I'll I'll be okay but Mm -hmm. I didn't mean it because I didn't know what it looked like yeah I had no idea Mm -hmm. and so when I called my mom and I told her I was just freaking out I realized that I I really meant it like I said okay you took my baby you took my best friend Mm -hmm. you can take my husband but I will not be able to take another breath. Like I can't move the air in and out of my lungs without you. Like mm. I can't do this without you. And that was sort of my moment of actually surrendering. And people say they surrender their life mm-hmm. to the Lord. That's when I actually did it. I became mm. a Christian when I was like a kid. That's mm-hmm. when I actually surrendered everything in my life. Yeah. I'd made idols of a lot of things that I didn't know I had made idols of. Yeah. And he started taking them away. And I thought, Ooh, I better, um, I better check. Myself. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the point where I started getting better. Mm-hmm. And um, it's funny. I mean, I still, it's been 10 years and I still struggle with anxiety. I just, I spoke to my, the church I grew up in. It's my first time I've ever spoken um, to a group mm-hmm. just this last February. And, and I tell them, I mean, it's still something I have to do on a routine basis to surrender. My mm-hmm. fears are different now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm more afraid for my kids now, mm-hmm. but that's when I started getting better. So I came, he came home and we had a couple of conversations where we have a rule in our marriage where we don't compare. So I'm not allowed to say, well, you know, not allowed. We choose not to say, you don't know what it's been like for me because he doesn't mm. and, and he can never know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how hard it's been for him. So for us to try to play the who has it worse game, right. that just is bad mm-hmm. because we've both had really hard things that neither of us will ever understand. Right. So we kind of had a couple of moments where we had to acknowledge that he wouldn't get it and I wouldn't know and, and then just move forward. Um, mm-hmm. So, and that's, there's certain things I grieve in the military life. That's one of them. I mean, mm-hmm. I got married to be with him and we've done, I think it's a seven year mark. We had been apart for half of our marriage. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's things that I grieve and mm-hmm. him not knowing what I went through. And I think, I mean, that's one of the things that he struggles with is that he has not been in my hardest moments as an adult for most of them. He hasn't he been has there. not been there. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Yeah. And he's thankfully he's been here for the joyful ones. Right. I think I'd rather. So but. it sounds to me like you had to make a conscious decision that that wasn't going to, um, kind of bring any kind of gap between you guys? Because when I hear you say that, yeah. that he has missed most of the hardest moments of your adult life, I mean, that mm-hmm. that really, that, that, that hurts me as your friend, you know, and people are mm-hmm. listening and they might relate to that. Um, has there ever, I know you said the elf made that decision that we're not going to compare, you know, who has it worse. Mm-hmm. Have there ever been times that you've really had to like work? Th- I mean, how do you work through that? Like, how do you work <laughs> through that as a wife, as a mom, as an adult, as a Christ follower? Um, that the person that you've chosen to do this life with has missed so many of those hard moments. Like, how do you work through that? Well, can I be honest with you? I think we're having the hardest time right now Hmm. with me having four little kids Hmm. and him being in a desk job that, that is difficult for him because he misses flying. He's not flying right now. He's in a desk job, which Mm -hmm. he 
you know, yeah. he does a great job, but it's not his favorite thing. Yeah. And so um, I think that's the hardest part is me not wanting to be like, don't you know what it's like with four kids? Yeah. Like, don't you know what it's like? I have to sit at a desk in a cubicle in the basement right. all day. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for us, we just made a very determined I, for me, I don't want to speak for him, but for me, I just said at the beginning of this life, I was, I knew what I was getting into. I, I was a soldier when I married one. Mm. And so I've made a very conscious decision not to complain and not to sort of lament the situations I find myself in. And that doesn't mean they're not hard or that I don't like them or that I haven't called. And I mean, I'm no angel. Mm -hmm. So I have had those emotions, but the Lord has been very gracious yeah. in helping me to manage them in a way that does not translate into resenting him. Mm -hmm. And so I just, and also I have to say, so my, my sisters and I are really close and I have called my older sister a lot. She's the person like when I, well, both of them, I have different outlets for both of them, but, but there's been several times specifically in our relationships with our husbands where my older sister and I kind of have leeway to discuss Mm -hmm. what's frustrating us uh -huh. before we go to our husband. I hope I'm, I'm maybe outing some family secrets mm -hmm. here, but like, like I call her and when I'm frustrated and I talk through it and that allows me to go to him, mm -hmm. that allows me to go to him when I am not quite so frustrated yeah. and then maybe talk through some solutions about the things that I'm frustrated mm -hmm. about. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's helped a lot. That's um, that's, so that's good. And I think that, you yeah. know, but I love that you brought it back to your life right now. You know, yeah. I, she came home from Iraq. I got pregnant. We moved to Alaska when I was four months pregnant. I had a baby that know a soul, um, in Alaska, in Alaska. <laughs> I went to a new flight training cause I had to switch helicopters uh -huh. when she was three months old. That's a whole nother story. Okay. My mother drove, bless her heart. Uh, my family factors pretty hugely in our story, uh -huh. drove up from Georgia, met me in Pennsylvania. We lived in this shack in Pennsylvania for like six weeks while I did the flight training and she, she took care of my daughter. She so was you, basically my nanny. Your daughter so, and your mom in a shack in or, Pennsylvania for six weeks. When she was three months old. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and I've never, let me tell you something. I cannot even tell you how freaked out my class was that I was pumping breast milk in the back of the helicopter. <laughs> I bet. Like I've never seen two guys start a helicopter so fast to cover up the sound of an electric breast pump. Oh, it my, was wah, hilarious. Wah. <laughs> yes. But they were, they were total chance. They lent me baby gear. My mom would bring her up for lunch and they would oh, all hold her. It was a uh -huh. real, there's only like six of us in the class. So were you the so only I woman? Um, oh gosh, I can't even remember now. I think I was. Mm -hmm. No, maybe there was one more. I have to dig out the picture. Oh my gosh. I can't even remember now. Um, but they were all fantastic. They all, all of them, I think all of them had kids. They were, they were great. Yeah. So we did that. My husband at, at the same time was volunteered to go to Hawaii. It's like, Oh, it's a really hard life for right, you. Right. I was in Eastern Pennsylvania in November and he was in Hawaii. Uh, yeah. So Jamie was five months old when I got back and we started talking about having another baby. I was going to knock them all out real quick uh -huh. and then back to flying because I can't fly when I'm pregnant. So I met him in Texas for the holidays. We, that's where he's from. And he had another training that he had to do in Texas. So we were going to be apart for a couple more months. Mm -hmm. So I was flew back to Alaska and he stayed in Texas. Mm -hmm. And I was, remember, I'll never forget this. I was in the airport in Anchorage 
and or some some one of the airports and my boss called me and said hey and I hadn't met these people I don't think I'd even met any of these people yet like I had just gotten in the Alaska Guard and had had the baby and talked to some people on the phone but like didn't know anything about Mm -hmm. anything so she calls me and she says hey we need you to come down this weekend I'm like I I have a five-month-old I don't have any I mean I have a few friends my husband's gone right I got some friends together, girls I didn't know very well. We caravaned down to Anchorage in January. It was like minus 80 degree wind chill. Miserable. Oh my gosh. It was so cold. And I went to the hangar that night. So my friends were watching Jamie. I went to the hangar that night and this captain sat me down and was like, how do you feel about deployment? And I just like, you know, your heart sinks. Mm. And, but I, you know, I'm poker face. I'm like, well, you know, I, I don't. Am I allowed to have feelings? I don't Mm -hmm. think I'm allowed to have feelings about it, you know? And so I just said, okay, you know, tell me more about this. And and I think he was a little surprised because I learned later that he's fairly traditional. And I think they were all expecting me to sort of kind of break down and cry. And, Mm -hmm. but I just like, okay, what's the deal? So they said, you know, there's two potential deployments, one coming, you know, this fall. And then the one after that. We have you on the one this fall to go to Iraq, but, you know, you have some leeway. And I knew right away. So we already knew that Pete was scheduled to go to Afghanistan at the same time in the fall. Did you have leeway because you were a mom or what was that? I think they just asked me, which I think it was because of the baby that because mm-hmm. the baby Jamie was. So our daughter's name is Jamie mm-hmm. or our friend. Mm-hmm. And because Jamie was fairly young, I think they were just kind of thinking, what do you want to do? Uh, they they knew what they wanted me to do, but they were kind of asking. I don't know that if I had said I don't want to do that, what they would have done. Mm-hmm. But and do you really have like? Is it like like I'm thinking? Did you have a choice? Okay, well, I mean, not on the deployment. So here's the thing: I could have. Okay, so when I was pregnant, I talked to my family and I said, "Hey, on the you have to have this thing called a family care plan." And I just saying, "Who's going to take care of your baby if y'all are both?" Mm-hmm. gone somewhere so I called my older sister and I said hey if something happens if we're both deployed I'm never gonna happen but would you take Jamie sure, sure. Mm-hmm. so I called Pete and we talked about it and we just decided that because of her age and because of the fact that we did not want to be apart for two years running mm-hmm. so you, you know, gone and then him gone, right? Gone and then him. No, it would have been him gone and then me gone. Okay, so we would have been apart for two years. So our daughter would have had two years of of a parent missing. Mm-hmm. Um, we just decided, for the sake of our marriage and due to her age and due to the fact that we had an incredible situation to put her in, mm-hmm. that it was the best choice all around for us to deploy at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it ended up, we actually left within a week of each other and came home within like three days of each other. And mm-hmm. that was an accident. The National Guard and the Active Duty Army do not really talk to each other right. when planning stuff. Mm-hmm. The Active Duty Army will try to accommodate dual deployment, but I mean, it happens. It's happened plenty. Um, so I, I remember I left, I was in shock and I went, and I called my sister and I was like, remember when mm, mm-hmm. going to happen? And she's so cool. She was like, sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that was that. I mean, so we never from the get go had to worry about who would take care of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had about nine months to prepare emotionally. And so when you, you were asking me about not comparing how hard it was, mm-hmm. that season of time with us together 
I think was one of the most challenging because we were both empty. Mm. Like we were so used up. I was preparing emotionally. I was doing training. I was jumping through all I had to, my, where we lived in Alaska was seven hours from where I flew. And so I had to, I mean, Alaska's huge. And so I was doing a bunch of traveling back and forth and jumping through all the hoops of getting babysitters and Mm -hmm. had taken on this job. And there was a, um, a hard situation at his work that was taking up all of this. It was a really, it was a huge deal that was going down and he was getting his company ready to deploy. And he was the acting commander for a while in the midst of like this big crisis that they were having. So he was just, I mean, I'm working like 14 hour days and totally consumed by that. And I was consumed emotionally and we were doing all the pre- preparations, you know, you have to write goodbye letters and you have to update your will. And we had to decide who's going to take this baby if something happens to both of us. Mm. And, um, right. I mean, that sounds emotionally draining. It was, it was bad. I mean, I was, I was empty when we left mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Never mind the year that was coming of right. being apart from her. I was done before we even left. And I, I think I just, I was really angry at the Lord. I I didn't see this one coming. And I think I really had to grieve the loss of the plans that I had for my life. Mm -hmm. That makes Mm -hmm. like, I wanted to have another baby and you asked about having a choice. So I, I probably could have pitched a big enough fit and maybe I would have gotten out of it. I could have intentionally gotten pregnant, Mm -hmm. which probably would have just ended up putting me on the second one instead, mm-hmm. you know, and then I would have left two kids, but we've also always been very determined not. I mean, I signed up for this. It's my job and I made that choice and yeah. I have to live with the consequences of my mm-hmm. choices. And that was one of them. Mm-hmm. And I felt like ethically speaking as a soldier and mm-hmm. as a Christian, I had a responsibility to honor my commitment. Mm-hmm. So that was a big part of it. Um, and we- I think, I think I hear everything you're saying. I think there's going to be people listening that just don't understand that. And do you, do you have grace for that? I do. There was a lot of people in our life at the moment that did not understand it mm-hmm. and kind of had a hard time with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I just, I have to rest in the fact yeah. that I never felt like I was being disobedient from mm-hmm. the Lord. Yeah. Um, and, and I am who I am mm-hmm. based on large part of these choices that I've made. I will say, so that, that year itself, I, I compartmentalized very well, although I did give myself shingles from it. Oh gosh. From stress. Like three months in from the stress. And I had, um, an amazing boss. I adore her. And my boss was a woman Mm. and I tease her because it was like working for a man, Mm -hmm. but like with girl parts, Uh you know, I mean, she had a very personality that was like a guy, but she was my friend too. Mm -hmm. And so there were some several points in the deployment where I was falling apart. I mean, mm-hmm. I was not doing well mm-hmm. and she would I remember one, I did something really dumb and she called me into her office and she said, she kind of read me the riot act. Like you can't, you know, read me the riot act and then kind of pushed the pause button on being my boss and was like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. I'm really worried about you. Mm-hmm. So she, I mean, she was able to kind of turn that off and on and, and yeah, in with me as a friend after she kind of took care of me as, as her boss. And I, I say now, like, I, I love, I'm still good friends with a lot of those people. I adore them, but it was hard. Yeah. I was lonely. Um, I was very lonely. I had lost, I, 
I had lost my entire support system and I'm very relational. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to rebuild that there. And that's not like they're, they were, most of them were my subordinates. I wasn't like, I can't, that's not a healthy way Mm -hmm. to do it. And so I just, that deployment really taught me. I I really shut down the part of me that was missing Jamie. Mm. I talked to her about twice a week on Mm -hmm. Skype. Mm -hmm. My sister was really good about that. Um, and it's funny, my nephew, my one and a half year old nephew could, could dial me, mm-hmm. but he didn't know how to turn the camera on. He was the same age as Jamie. And so about one o'clock in the morning, my computer would go off and I would hear Sam's voice like, hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, couldn't turn the video on. So all that gets me out of you, Skype. And That's we, hilarious. We and, and Pete and I could use the phone because we could use the army phone system. We could call each other mm. on lines which is I've never been able to do in any other deployment yeah I've been here and so um I just gosh I mean I could we could talk about this for hours so I have a question for you what was harder missing your husband for a year or missing your daughter well that's what I was about to say so this year this is kind of my takeaway from this year that happened I learned I had my whole normal support system taken away Mm -hmm. and I learned really the depth of my own sin and how much I needed the Lord and how much I still even relied on other people and things to provide that for me Mm. to make my life easier. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just came away from that. You're really broken by that. Um, And I actually think in some ways it was harder to be away from my husband um, because there was yeah, it was, it was harder, almost harder to be away from him in that environment. I get that for sure. I mean, because yeah, yeah, I get that. Cause that is your like companion, your, your person. Um, and although you miss your daughter, uh, tremendously, like it was the hardest thing ever. Um, the husband was, would really be, I mean, I get that. I think I would feel the same way. I really do. Hey guys, before we get back to the show with Molly, I want to thank one of our other sponsors, Prep Dish. Prep Dish is a healthy subscription-based meal planning service. Each week, you're going to receive an email that contains a grocery list and instructions for prepping your meals ahead of time. This week in my email, I received an email and it had this super fast section. So if you're in a pinch, she gives you a menu and shopping list and it just takes an hour to prep it. So I would spend an hour prepping my meals and then I would have meals ready for the rest of the week. This is the answer to what's for dinner that we have so many times around 4 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Allison, the chef over Prep Dish, she's offering you listeners a special rate of $4 for the first month. That's a dollar for a weekly meal plan. Visit prepdish.com slash happy hour and start your subscription today. Okay, so that year Mm -hmm. goes by, long year, hard year, um, and you come back home and... How, how was that readjusting to life? How did Jamie readjust? She was fantastic. So my family did a really good job of um, connecting her with me. Mm-hmm. So she, she still calls my sister mama. Mm-hmm. So my sister was mama mm-hmm. and I was mommy with a Y. Mm-hmm. And her son, Sam, so she had three kids when, I, when we left and had a baby. That's the other thing. She had a baby while we were gone. Gracious. She's insane. She's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, and my parents were there helping too. So our church was all help. I mean, there was, it was like a whole, it was a village. Yeah. Taking care of mm-hmm. So her husband, Jimbo, his nickname was Goggy because that's what his son called him. Mm-hmm. And so there was a real clear separation on 
who was who. Mm-hmm. And so we were in the Atlanta airport. And I don't know if you've ever flown through Atlanta, but they have those escalators that are like a mile long. Mm-hmm. And I got, I mean, I remember like my heart was Is this just when you're coming home? Yes. So oh I came gosh. back to Alaska. I flew Pete's brother up because I thought Pete was going to get home before me. I didn't want him to get home by himself. So his brother was there, but I ended up coming home first. So I came home. Mike was there. We met Pete. We were to, we did Thanksgiving together. It was right around Thanksgiving. And then I flew. He had to stay in work for a couple more weeks because of the rules. And so I flew to Gainesville by myself to get Jamie. Uh-huh. And so it was just me on the escalator. And I come up there and it was like <laughs> the biggest circus. My aunt and her five kids and her husband, my 85-year-old grandfather in a wheelchair, a couple people from church, my sisters, all their kids, my parents, big uh-huh. aunt. I mean, it was all right at the top of the escalators at the Atlanta airport. Right. And um, she saw me and just kind of looked at me and then just reached her hands out and said, Mommy. Oh and gosh. I <laughs> ugly cried all over that airport. I mean, and I have pictures of it and it's not pretty. I mean, I just was crying Mm -hmm. from the bottom of my toes. I was so happy and relieved. Did you have the fear Uh, that it wouldn't happen that way? Totally. Yeah. Totally. But so I ended up, so what we did is I stayed with my sister at her house for a week, kind of watching how they had been taking care of her. And then that second week I went over, I stayed there at her house the second week but I took over, like, if she needed something, mm-hmm. leave sent her to me, mm-hmm. and I would take care of her for that week. And then the third week, we moved over to my parents' house, which was still a familiar environment mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. And my husband was back at that point. He flew down, and and then the three of us took care mm-hmm. of her that week together. I mean, the two of us. Mm-hmm. The hard part was her. So I really, I was still processing a lot of emotions. And it's funny, I don't, Angie Smith, mm-hmm. I read her blog like in three days mm-hmm. under covers on my iPhone, which is really hard to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I just remember reading about how she talked about grief and recognizing mm-hmm. this was right after I came home that I had, I was grieving the loss of that time with my daughter. And it's mm-hmm. funny, I'm on my fourth kid, but my, my third is in two and a half. And that's the age I got her back. And with the two subsequent kids, I look at them and I'm still sad that I don't know what Jamie was like mm-hmm. in that period of time. Mm-hmm. And so like when Asher turned two, I thought, oh, I don't, I have a, a child that's been two, but I don't know how to do twos because I missed it. Yeah. So I still, I still think about that. Um, but we came home, I was really emotional and it took me a, a long time to just process my emotions from the year to kind of get over being angry. And, and I, so I had to deal with all that grief, all the emotions that I had shut down for that year that I was gone, I had to deal with. Mm. then yeah I was a big old hot mess and then and then I got pregnant with my son made the decision I got pregnant with my son we were supposed to move to Germany this is the crazy part we're supposed to move to Germany and he came home and he was like I might have to go to Pakistan I was like what yeah in two weeks he was on a plane to Pakistan we had sold our house I didn't have anywhere to live and we weren't going to Germany so that all happened in like two weeks. And so and you're we were, pregnant and I'm pregnant. Yeah. Just puking on the side of the road pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so that's a whole nother long story, but we ended up getting a house on the base. So we, we sold our house and moved onto the base. And I said, Hey, can I go home? Because I, we were going to go home before we moved to Germany. He's like, yeah, go on home, you know, go visit. Cause it was 
like thousands of bucks to fly out of Alaska. So yeah. it was like a, Hey, I'm just going to drive home for mm-hmm. the weekend. Yeah. He got on a plane to go to Pakistan and I got on a plane to go to Georgia. And all of a sudden we, Jamie had been home for nine months at that time period. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden she would not leave my side. And my mother especially was really upset by it because she, we went to Gainesville and she had just Where lived she had been and didn't want to have anything to do with them. And I am convinced it is because her daddy left. And then I took her to the place that I left her. Mm-hmm. And, and I think she was just thinking that she was, I mean, even if she couldn't articulate it oh, at age sure. three, for she sure. knew. You know, um, something like that happened to us. And it makes sense because when our kids came home from Haiti, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the earthquake had happened right before. And then right. Amos came home. And um, some of our friends that he, he had seen often while we had been visiting and that he had spent like the last three days with before he came home, they were uh-huh. here in Texas. And whenever we would go visit them, he would not even talk to them. And I think that's the same thing. Like he associated them with Haiti and where we had come and left, come and left, come and left. And he wouldn't even like even hardly talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm learning as as our kids process some of the changes in our life, how young they recognize the upheaval and how it plays out. Oh, I didn't for sure. Yeah. Really recognize it then with her. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's funny. I, she, this, she's a trooper every six months of her life since she has been born, there has been a major upheaval in her world, mm. a baby, a move, a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had another miscarriage after my son, mm-hmm. after my second child that she was old enough to process. I mean, just bam, bam, bam mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. She especially, and she's got the personality for it. She's amazing. Just extroverted, mm-hmm. trooper, but she definitely, I mean, she has, her and my oldest son, they have all the emotions all the time. Mm. So, and uh, I mean, and when I think about that, like I think about our kids going through hard stuff and mm-hmm. I just think, man, God, I just trust you that you're using this to develop their character is what I trust yeah. you for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and as parents, we want to stop it. We don't want that pain to be there. We don't want that hurt to be there. And I think there's some validity in that as well. But then also I'm learning as a mom, um, sometimes I just can't stop things. (laughs) I don't have control over the situations. And so therefore I'm going to trust that God knows what's good and that he is for them and that he's using these scenarios, situations, upheavals, whatever, to develop character in them that wouldn't be there otherwise. Oh, yeah. 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 We have the added element, though, of that. I agree with you. And and I'm working through that as a just as a parent in life. But I have struggled a lot, too, with the guilt over the fact that especially with this last move. So we just moved from Tennessee to Virginia. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the first time my daughter had to switch schools. My son was old enough to leave his best friends and to watch them go through this process mm. and knowing that we chose this life mm-hmm. and subjected them to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's, that's a difficult thing. And, and it is making them who they are and it's shaping their character and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm loving looking at my children. So I have this, tradition where I write a birthday letter to the kids on my blog every year, mm-hmm. although my son is like two months late, two months late right now. And, but it really forces me to kind of go back and look and, and look at mm-hmm. what I've learned about them or what I see in them, the things that I love. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's beautiful to see that in the midst of the adversity that they've already experienced, but it's hard to watch. Oh yeah. Yeah. Knowing that, knowing that I subjected them to that. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say this too, just to encourage you. I really believe personally that when God calls um, a family to something mm-hmm. or adults, a mom and a dad, that he, mm-hmm. that he doesn't think, Oh crap, I forgot there were kids involved. 
You know, I really think that God is saying, hey, I'm calling your family to this. Um, I'm for everybody in um, this family. You know, I think about that. We have missionary friends and people are always like, yeah. how could you take your kids into this like such dangerous situation wherever you are, you know, in Asia or China or the Middle East? And they really have said, well, God's called our family to this. And he didn't make a mistake just by giving us kids and say, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. And so just that's just my little encouragement to you, because I understand that feeling. And so um, and I know that a lot of people resonate with that as well. Um, Nobody's ever said that to me before. Hmm. I have never in in 11 years thought of it like that. Hmm. Well, I Thank hope it you. encourages you. That's my takeaway from this whole conversation. <laughs> Yay! What a blessing to yeah. hear that. Well, I good. struggle with that still. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not done moving, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think about yeah. that. My story is completely different than yours. Oh, yeah. But we've had trauma come into our family. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and we chose to build our family this way. Um, mm-hmm. And so it has affected some of my other kids. But yeah. I don't think God thought, oh, I didn't know it was going to affect them like that. You know, and I, I just yeah. think he, he he planned our family from the beginning. He planned our steps. He planned our days. And so I just yeah. trust him that this is for all of our good and for all of our character building. So, okay, we need to move on because I could talk yeah. to you about this for a thousand hours. I know. Um, it's it's long. There's it so is much. It's so good. There's but so you ended up leaving um, the Army. I did. So in a nutshell, so when we when he went to Pakistan – he was, we were supposed to go to Germany after that. And it ended up instead of Germany, they said, well, we want you to go to Kansas, then Germany. Cause that was a good career move for him just for a year. And then, then they were like, just kidding. You still get to go to Kansas. Good for your career, but you can't go to Germany. You have to go to Fort Campbell, which was fine. But when I knew that we would be going back to Fort Campbell and I would be going back to my old unit, my mm-hmm. unit that I started with mm-hmm. the Tennessee national guard, I knew that that would be a deploying unit. I knew that they would go again. And at that point, I'd be leaving two or three kids. Right. You'd probably do another dual deployment. And that was just the exclamation point on you need to be done. Yeah. And like I said at the beginning, there are there are women who do both motherhood and soldiering well. Mm -hmm. And I'm so proud of them for that. Mm -hmm. But I am not one of them. And I am. Um, adult, and that's hard for me to admit because I was good at being a soldier mm-hmm. right up until I deployed. Yeah, and then not so good. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't feel like it was fair to my children mm-hmm. or the men and women that I would be potentially in charge of. Yeah, to not be able to give a hundred percent to either one. Yeah, I so think that's us, that is for me. I was done. Yeah, and that's great. And I think that we all have to come to the little crossroads like that in our life, and they may not mm-hmm. be as grand as soldiering versus mothering. Yeah. <clears throat> But we all have to come to those crossroads sometimes and say, hey, what, what, yeah. what is the best scenario mm-hmm. for our family right now? And for mm-hmm. right now, it looks like this, you know? And um, so, you know, good for yeah. you, you know? And so, so that's, that's the decision that you made and it was best for your family. Yes. So October of 2011 was my final out day. And I actually found out on Veterans Day, which was really emotional, uh-huh. um, that I was done. So I guess if you want the grant, I was thinking about it before I talked to you, I was going to sort of give you the grand timeline. So we've been married for 11 years. I was in the army for 14. He has been in for 16. We've moved six times in those 11 years. Mm. We've had six pregnancies, two miscarriages, four mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. five deployments, um, spent probably a good four to four and a half years apart of those 11 years. Mm. So for about four and a half years, we haven't lived together. Um, 
what else? How do I frame it? We've lost more than one friend at this point, Mm -hmm. but we have a global network of the most beautiful people you could ever imagine. Sure. So I always tell people, I mean, I said at the beginning, it's been a hard life, Mm -hmm. but it's been so good. And God's been so good to us that I, I have been able to keep my, um, point to myself to not complain. I mean, we've Mm. been, I mean, we're incredibly rich. I I do not, this is, I may be offending people with this. I do not like to use the hashtag blessed, Mm. but God has been good to us Mm -hmm. in the midst of some difficult things. And I recognize the gifts we've been given. You know, we extend the comparison game to not to other people's lives as well. I have friends that are walking through some roads that are way harder than mine. Mm -hmm. And, and I think the perspective is important. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I have people that tell me, oh, my husband's gone for a week, but it's nothing like what you've gone through. And I say, you know, it's your journey and it's hard for you and that's okay. Yep. So I think it's okay to, to admit and talk about the hard and recognize the gifts that we've been given. And I think the Lord's been really gracious and allowing me to do that. That's amazing. I'm not going to lie. I'm tired. Oh, girl. I'm really tired. You got a lot of kids under eight years old at your house, so yeah. you are tired. I'm tired moving. I'm tired from not having any sleep for like the last four uh-huh. years, but yep. I mean, I, I can say with conviction that God is good to us. That's awesome. So. Okay. Well, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that story and letting me ask the stupid military questions that I don't know. And um, I think that you have just, your story is an encouragement to um, so many women, including myself that are listening, just about perseverance and trusting God and dealing with grief and, and just putting one step, one foot in front of the other. And then I really love what you said about really God pulling those things away that year and you really having to see, um, you know, who, who, where does my strength come from? Who, do, who's there for me right now? I feel so alone. Um, and at the end of the day, it is his. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I always ask my guests. Three things they're loving and what they're reading. So where would you like to start? Well, I, I, I can, I'm an English major. I can talk about the books all day. But I'll tell you quickly. So I'm reading through the Harry Potter series with my daughter. Fun. So that we can watch movies together. So that's kind of fun. Um, I haven't, I, I got like halfway through and quit when, when they came out. So, so I'm doing that. So you've that's never like read them fun before. Reading. I haven't, I had written, read to like book four and I just finished book five. So I'm waiting for her to finish book five so we can keep going. Okay. Um, so that's just my, kind of my fun thing. Um, I just, one of the best books that I've read probably ever in the nonfiction category, I finished fairly recently. And I was like, I have to tell her about this one. It's called The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Oh, I don't know this. It is fantastic. It is a true story of the woman who's, um, had, she had cervical cancer mm-hmm. and they were able to, they took uh, cells from her tumor without okay. her. And, and this is basically what, well, without consent, she was a poor black woman out of, mm-hmm. and from Maryland mm-hmm. and they were able to reproduce her cells in the lab. And from those cells, they have gotten probably every, that was the basis of forming vaccines, mm-hmm. doing research in labs on cells. I mean, it was like one of the biggest scientific uh, medical breakthroughs probably in this century. That's crazy. It's a fascinating story about, it's also really a story about medical consent. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot in it about the ethics of, of the time, the racial tension as mm-hmm. she was black mm-hmm. and poor and, um, 
Her family didn't know that they had done that until 25 years later. And people have made probably billions of dollars off of this discovery. And her family had no idea. Wow. Uh, until like the 70s. And this happened in the 50s, I think. Lots of um, ethical stuff in there. Yeah. Huh? yeah. So there's just a, and especially with everything that's going on right now, it is a fascinating book to read and conversations to have. And the woman that wrote it had... Uh, really unprecedented access to her family. They're very suspicious of people mm-hmm. um, and rightfully so. And they, um, she had a relationship with them. She wrote about it very matter of factly. So mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like she's trying to sway you to one side or the other. She's just like, here's the fact. Here's what it is. You know, she wrote about the scientific stuff really well. It's a great book. Great, 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 okay. great book. Love it. Um, that one. And then I'm also, I started pressing Nancy out of the house of bread and oh my gosh, I love it. Um, it I haven't called? gotten very far. Out of the House of Bread, Ooh. it's a practice. It's combining the spiritual disciplines with bread making. Ah. Really cool. I had a bread business as a kid, so I love making bread. Look at you. And so uh, with my sisters. And so it's just a really neat combining the practices of prayer and spiritual awesome. discipline with bread making. So those are kind of my three that I'm – I always I, have a stack like a mile high. but I do too. I do too. I'm reading um, Looking for Lovely, Annie Down's new book. Um, oh, is that good? I I've always liked her writing. I know. I love it too. And I'm also reading Curious Faith by Logan Wolfram, um, of course. which I have not picked up. I mean, for, forever. And so those are the two that I'm carrying with me to yeah. all my baseball games. Yeah. Um, okay. What are three things you're loving? Okay. Well, that's funny. My girlfriends and I were talking about this before we, you and I talked and it's funny because your podcast is one of the things that we've been talking about. Oh, the most. Can I say that? So a couple of my friends have been introduced to you because of us meeting and Uh they just love you. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to count that as one of my three, but I'm totally going to tell her that that's actually what I'm talking to my girlfriends about right now. thanks, Molly's (laughs) friends. But I have to say, so I am real big. I know we didn't talk about any of this, but I'm really, one of the things that I'm doing as a stay-at-home mom is really trying to figure out how to sort of teach my children how to make an impact from our home and our community. And one of those things is I call it redeeming our shopping choices. Okay. Not always something we can do, but as much as we can buy local mm. or ethical or fair trade or any of all that. And so I've been working to find those kinds of things. And so I'm obsessed with the Root Collective shoes. Oh, I love them too. Jimmy Bethany. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And I'm actually excited. I, I, I'm, I listened to your podcast with the founder of the Seiko company and yeah. I can't wait to order some of hers. But the only them. fair trade ones that I have right now are Root Collective and I adore them. I love Root Collective shoes. So, I have some of their yes. ballet shoes. And I've said before mm-hmm. on this show... Um, I also have some ballet shoes from another company that will rename nameless and these uh-huh. are more comfortable. Oh yeah. Yeah. Way more comfortable mm-hmm. than the um, ones I've ever had and last longer. Yeah. They're great. Um, and just Seiko, as a plug I'm them, loving those as well. My new yeah. ones, the little like crisscross sandals. I, I think I saw a picture of them on Instagram with my Katie cat on your Instagram. Yes. yes. Oh my God, I love um, cat. I wear yes. them every day. They're so comfortable. Yes. So, yeah. So, so root collective. And I'll also have to say just as a shout out, their customer service is fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, love FYI. customer service. Okay. It's amazing. Awesome. Okay. So root collective. One, root collective. And so, and then I found this other company. Instagram is like my new favorite place for finding these companies. Oh, it's yes. called walk and love t-shirts or their t-shirts that they sell. Uh-huh. And they're really soft and they just have all these really fun things printed on them. They have some hymn lyrics. They have different sayings. They have one of them, like the lion. I think it's supposed to be like Aslan, but it's like a big lion sweatshirt mm. in gold. I mean, I love it. So I'm wearing one right now, actually, that says it is well with my soul. So, oh, love which those. is one of my big kind of themes, you know, uh-huh. God is good all the time and, and through everything that we've been through. So I, and their shirts are really soft and comfy. And if you follow them, they have a lot of like, they'll have different t-shirts that are 
on sale all of a sudden. It's have a lot of flash sales and stuff. So that's um, awesome. I think I yeah. did a um, a podcast one time, and she talked about these t-shirts. Kate Connor, maybe. I don't know. Okay. I don't even. I think I just saw them on Instagram. But I like it because I had sort of have a uniform at this point. It really mm-hmm. is. It's my uniform. It's a printed t-shirt, my root collective shoes, and some noonday fair trade, but mostly noonday jewelry. Like it's sad. I sounds like the best uniform day. ever. It's awesome. It's yep. really comfortable. Yep. But I'm but I'm looking for those kinds of things to make me look like I mean, I have four little kids. I have I I would like to look like I made an effort without actually making an effort. That's that's our goal this every is day. How I do it. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's a win. Okay. So, what's your third thing you're loving? So my third thing is my purse, and it's from a company called R Riveter Handbags, and it's a group of military spouses based out of North Carolina mm. who make bags. They make toiletry bags and purses out of old military uniforms and leather and they're gorgeous they're handmade they're all made in the u.s and what i got was this line they call the heirloom bag uh-huh. i actually sent them my dress blue coat from my uniform my formal uniform that i wore stop and they made, made you a bag purse out of my coat that i had because i couldn't bring myself to get rid of it but I'm like, what am I of course not it? and it's beautiful it's lined inside uh-huh. it's got leather it's it's gorgeous. So I got one made for myself and I got my husband a toiletry bag with the duffel bag that he took to Afghanistan as a company commander, which was like his favorite job. This is the best. So they're amazing. They're not cheap, but they also, if you follow them on Instagram and Facebook and everything, they do flash sales as well. Mm -hmm. But I am telling you, they are to die for. Did I see them on Shark Tank? did and they got a deal. So they have a physical location in North Carolina, but you can go online and order stuff and it is Amazing. So I don't so. have to. I don't have to like be military to, and send them something. Oh no. Okay. No, okay. no, no. That's just a specialty line that they have. But I mean, they have this like crossbody little clutch made out of those army wool blankets that I'm dying to have. Like mm. I want it so bad, but mm. I can't really justify. Oh yeah, anything. yeah. I hear you. Okay, that um, company sounds amazing. Yeah, our riveter. Our riveter. And hey, I haven't told you this yet, but and I can't believe I never said this in the show. But thank you for serving. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for for thank that. You. Uh, okay, well, I love your favorite things. I love all of those things as well. That's great. I love what you're reading. Um, Molly, thanks for coming on and just sharing your story and being vulnerable and honest with us. It's been a complete joy of mine to chat with you again, not on an airplane, but from the comfort of our home in our pajamas. Um, okay, have a great day. Thanks, Molly. Thank you. Bye-bye. Guys, you were not prepared for that conversation with Molly, were you? I love that she shared so openly about her journey And I love that she was gracious to me for me to ask the question that so many of us were wondering, like, man, I don't know how I would make that decision. And I loved her answer. I loved her grace. I love her boldness. I love her strength. Um, I loved how at the end of the day, she knew um, that what she was doing was what God had asked her to do. And so I thank her so much for sharing her story. And although I might not be able to relate as an army wife or a mom that had to leave their child for deployment, there's so much truth that was in our conversation about the struggles of life, the struggles of losing a friend, the struggles of parenting. Parenting well. We feel all of those. And so if you're interested in keeping up with Molly, check her out on Instagram. She's over there at, at the Mrs. Huggins. And her blog is allthegracebetween.com, where she blogs about all these kinds of things that we chatted about. I want to thank our last sponsor for the show. And this is my friend Jen Sprinkle of Jen Sprinkle Creative. If you've seen my new logo, which I hope that you have, she's behind it. She is a creative genius. She is behind so many um, amazing creative things that you see around the web. She does graphic design, product design, web design. 
She also does something that I think is really healthy and helpful for us that are into um, small businesses or large businesses or whatever you're doing. She does creative strategy sessions. So what she does is she gets with you and she does a session about creativity and she helps you move closer to making your dreams a reality. Um, so check her out, jensprinkle.com. Follow her on Instagram. It's at jensprinkle. Um, I highly suggest you looking at a jensprinkle creative for any of your creative needs. Guys, remember everything we chatted about will be on my website, jamieivy.com. I'd love to hear from you. As always, find me on Twitter, Instagram. Tag me on Instagram when you're listening to the show. That's my favorite thing to see. And I'd love to hear what you love from this episode. Today's show is edited by Knox McCoy. And the music is from Jason Poe. Next week is a special Mother's Day show where I invited a few different type of mamas to join me as we chat about what Mother's Day means to them. You're not going to want to miss this one. And guys, don't forget, if you didn't hear episode number 84, my friend Emily and I share with you 11 different organizations that we think are worth you spending your money this Mother's Day and throughout the entire year. So check that out for a great list of companies that are doing great things. Um, And I love that Molly and I talked about that. So a great list of companies doing great things that you can be proud to put your money towards. Check out number 84 for our Mother's Day gift guide. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. 